Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. I want to talk to you what, what about what we call the Lord's Prayer, which is not really, as I said last week, the Lord's Prayer. That is not the prayer that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ prayed. He gave them the model on how we should pray. But watch this. That is not the prayer he prayed. If you want to know the prayer that Jesus prayed, you got to go to John 17. And he goes in in prayer. He gets it in. You get to see what he prayed about on the mountain. Go to John 17 and read that. And there you'll see the prayer of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But as I was exegeting this text and I was praying this week, something came across to me. I found myself looking through the book of Psalms and I bumped into Psalms 136. And I'll tell you, I want you to read that for yourself And I realized, oh, that's where Jesus got the model from. If you read Psalms 136, and I'm not going to do it today because it'll be a whole nother sermon. You come to realize that is the exact same model that Jesus gave his disciples. Read Psalms 136. And so today, I'm not going to go through the entire uh, Matthew chapter 6 verse uh, uh, Lord's Prayer, but I want to focus my attention today on Matthew 6, verses 9 and 10. And I want to open up by saying this quote To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. A great theologian, the very father of the Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther said that. In other words, what he was saying is it's impossible to call yourself a Christian and not be on your knees air a day. It's impossible to call yourself a a Christian and not open your mouth to give God praise and prayer every day. You can have the fish on the back of your car. You can wear the I love Jesus uh, t-shirt. You can have the wristband that says Jesus is my homeboy. But if your absence of prayer and praise unto God, I would really question your identity as a Christian. It's impossible to be a Christian without prayer, just like it's impossible to be living without breathing. Let that soak in for a minute. If we look in Matthew 6 and 9, we find these words. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. The very first thing I want to share with you today is, and I said this to you all before, the challenge with us in praying 
is not, not understanding what prayer is. It's understanding what, why we do it and how we do it. And, and one of the things I shared with you last week is when we pray, we should focus on who we're praying to, not what we're saying when we're praying. And I think a lot of us don't do it consistently and constantly and regularly. It's not part of our regular schedule because a lot of times we're so focused on what to say versus who we're saying it to. And, and so to help you with that today, I'm going to break down a few things. I want to talk about who Jesus is. But before we get into that, you need to understand the very first step that happens in this thing called prayer. Prayer begins with surrender. Prayer begins with surrender. If you're taking notes, that's your very first note. What, what, what do you mean by that, Pastor? I love when we pray. You know, even you, if you think about even the very posture of prayer, it is one where we are surrendering. We putting ourselves in a place lower than the authority. When we get on our knees, we are surrendering. When we lift our hands, we are surrendering. You know, I think the world got that from the Bible. Stick them up. You're surrendering. They got that from the Bible. We're surrendering. We are giving our very lives. We are surrendering ourselves to God, but also watch this to the moment, to the atmosphere, so that whatever he allows to happen, we are allowing it to happen within us. Prayer begins with surrender. If you go into prayer just wanting to talk and all of this stuff, you miss it. You must surrender your thoughts. You must surrender your heart. You must surrender your mind, all of that to God before you go into prayer. Now, I know some of you are like, oh, man, that's preparation. I just want to roll out of bed or sometimes just lay in bed and be like, God, thank you for this day. Amen. And keep my haters away. Lord, you know that person in the cubicle next to me. I almost slapped them the other day. Amen. But God wants us to get into a place where we actually, this is a part of our regular schedule. Listen, set your alarm to pray so that you can posture yourself. Be I'm up every morning. My wife, my children, my family are witnesses at 430. That's the only way that I can get prayer in. I'm trying to figure out how I can get a morning workout. And now, you know, before I was getting up and I had my, my workout partner over here, Tia, and we would, you know, during the summer, no kids were, had to go to school. We'd be up 5 o'clock. You know, 5.30, be in the gym by 6 o'clock. Now that we got to do drop-offs, we can't, I got to figure that out. Because at the end of the day, I'm, I got to have my spiritual man strong before I have my physical man strong. I'll find some other time to work out, but I got to give God my very best. And that's the first thing in the morning. I've got to surrender all that I have and all that I am and all that I, I, I want to be to him before I even think about hitting the gym. Uh, Planet Fitness and them, they can wait, but I got to give God my very best, my very first I'll get up early for him. And so, so that's why I get up at 4.30 and, and wash my face and go into the closet. And I, I literally go in there and set my music on for a minute. And it's just me and God. And we're praying. We're ushering in the spirit. And I'm, I'm just going in, just praying and thanking him and wonderful. And if you read Psalm 136, oh, my God, it's so good. Because sometimes it starts talking about just how God created the earth and he put land by the water and he did all these things. But the, my favorite part about the well, Psalm 136 is where he says, and your faithful love endures forever. When I mess up, your faithful love endures forever. Uh, when somebody doesn't like me, your faithful love 
endures forever. When I don't get the promotion that I wanted, your faithful love endures forever. When I receive a doctor's report that is not favorable, your faithful love endures forever. When the kids are hard-headed and ain't minded, oh, your faithful love endures forever. That's my favorite part of the 136 Psalms. And sometimes we've got to get into a place where we're, we're praising God for just those things that are natural, but we got to get into a place where we're reminding ourselves of what he's done for us. And if you, and if you look at the 136 Psalm, now this message is not about that, but this is just so relevant to me right now. When you look at that, uh, the, the, it's, it's Solomon, I believe, who's writing this and talking about it. He, he, he reminds, he starts talking to God and says, remember you saved me from uh, the people who were trying to get us. Uh, you part the Red Sea and then you brought us to a safe place. Uh, you did this for me. You, sometimes you got to remind yourself about what God has already done for you in order for you to get the energy to keep on doing what he needs you to do. And at the end of that, you got to say, and your faithful love endures forever and ever. That's the evidence of the faithful love that he's already brought you through and he'll do it again. Oh, man, I'm not preaching just yet, but I feel like I want to. I feel like I want to. Who do we, how do we surrender? Well, you, you, you got to first surrender to who he is. If you're taking notes, that's your second note. You have to surrender to who he is. And I think that uh, it's not so complicated, y'all. It's really not. I know that when we read scripture and we hear sermons, it's like, oh, he's this, he's a God and he's in heaven and he's, you know, he can't possibly see all of us. It's, it's millions and mi- it's billions of us. How can God know each and every single, no, you got to understand who he is. Uh, uh, the Bible says that uh, in Matthew 6, 9, our father in heaven. He is our father. Uh, he is our father. I don't, I don't know about your personal life and your, who your earthly father is, but just know that you are never a fatherless child because God is our father. And if I may take a minute to explain the role of a father, the father is the provider, the protector, the leader, the spiritual shepherd over his own family. And listen, if you are a father in this room, you understand what it means to take care of your child. Your child will never lack. You will go to the ends of the earth to make sure your child has everything that they need. You will make sure your child is fed and clothed and has a roof over their head. You will sleep outside in order to give your child the bed. You understand what it means to father. There is nothing that will come between you and your child when it comes to being a father. And mothers can relate as well. So when we look at God, we have to look at he is our father. Now, if you're like me, you got a whole bunch of kids they, you can see them all, right? I don't forget. I may mix their name up. I ain't going to lie. I mix their name up. And I think God may not do that. But I mix their name up. But I never forget who my children are. No matter how many I have, I will know all of them by name. I will know all of their needs. I will pray over each and every one of them. I will provide for each and every one of them. I will protect each and every one of them. Just last night, a perfect example in the middle of the night. Sydney walks in the room. Daddy, I had a bad dream. Okay, baby, can you pray with me? That's my four-year-old. She knew who to come to to fix the dreams that she would. 
she was having in the middle of the night. Why? Because she knows who her father is and what her father can do. Oh my God, somebody going to get that this morning. When you understand that God is our father, you feel confident and comfortable going to him for whatever your needs are. Not only that, when he gives us the blessings, we know exactly who to go to first. Oh my goodness, the first day of school, my wife picked the kids up. But when they got home and ran through the doors, it was, Daddy, 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 let me tell you what happened. I met this friend, I met that friend. And when God blesses you, you have the same type of response. Daddy, 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 let me tell you what happened to you. You sent a message to Pastor B. He shared that message with me today. And as a result of it, God, I've been blessed. Daddy, 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 thank you for your blessings. I told you I feel like preaching, but I'm trying to hold back. God is our father. Matter of fact, Jesus mentions it. It's so important that you get this in your head in just this one little section of scripture. Matthew 6 verses 1 through 18. It's so important that you know his relationship and his identity to us. It's mentioned over 10 times. Literally, from Matthew 6, verses 1 through 18, Jesus mentions the word Father. Why? So that you can know his identity and who he is in your life and his relevance. Who he is. God is our Father. We need to surrender to who he is as our Father. Who else, what else is he? He is sovereign. I know that's such a Christian word. None of y'all use it corporately. I get it. You don't use it in regular conversation. I get it. You certainly don't use it on social media. I get it. You do? Amen. Hallelujah. We got somebody that used sovereign on social media. But let me tell you what sovereign means. He is in control. He is the all power. He is over all things in heaven and on earth. In other words, he knows stuff that's going to happen before you do. And when you find yourself in the valley, he knew you were going to be there. He already got a plan to get you out. He knows everything. He controls everything, everything that happens. Now, he is not the author of bad, but he is the finisher of all things good. He can take the bad in your life and make it redeemable and fix it for you. God is sovereign. He is a big God. He is a God that is omnipresent. Well, what does that mean, Pastor B? God is everywhere. He is not just here in Mableton. He's in Smyrna. And if you leave anywhere in Georgia, he's wherever you are. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. He is not partially here and partially there. No, he is everywhere. He's in the new planet they discovered out there in, oh come on now. He is omnipresent. God is omniscient. He is all seeking. He can see everything. He is everything. God is omniscient. He is all powerful. He is wonderful. Watch this. God is omnipotent. Okay, I said a word, y'all forgot. God is omnipotent. Wait, what is omnipotent? He is all-powerful. 
There is nothing that can tear down or destroy anything that God puts his stamp of approval on, including your life. There is nothing that can tear down or destroy anything God says that you can have. There is nothing that can distract you or take away from what God has given you. God is omnipotent. He is all powerful. There is nothing that the devil has done that God can't take away. God is all powerful. He gave the devil license to come here and get he's taking it right on back come on now God is omnipotent he's all powerful so God is our father he is sovereign what else is he pastor B God is holy Bible says may your name be kept holy and depending on the translation it could be hallowed be thy name now if you do an exegetical study of this text that very word hallow or holy is a is a greek word and it's a hagiazo the word is hagiazo and it, and it literally means this hagiazo means to be pure uh, to consecrate watch this to be sacred here we go to set apart May your name not line up with mess of the earth. May we not blame you for every bad decision we make and say it was God or the devil tempting me. May, may, may your name be kept pure from my worldly stuff. May your name be separated from the stuff in this world. Like, like I said to y'all before as we are talking about this Supreme Court justice decision, as I remind y'all, and I remind you again today, they didn't go to the Bible to make that decision. That was a worldly decision. Because they knew that you cannot bring God into something that he already said is no. May your name be kept holy. May your name be kept pure. May, may your name not be run through the mud with the rest of the stuff that's run through the mud in this world. May your name be above presidents and senators and elected officials. May your name be above the pastor. May your name be above even your spouse. May your name be kept holy and pure. And, I, and oftentimes I don't think that, that I think that we're running away from that. There was a movement, if you're not familiar with it, there was a movement going around in the church called the Seeker-Friendly Church, and I'm not knocking them. I know people will be listening to this podcast that are Seeker-Friendly Churches. And if you're not familiar with the Seeker-Friendly Church movement, um, it, it was really to, it was a way for them to attract people who normally wouldn't go to church or people who were out over church. You know, it, it, it was intentional about not using certain words like hallelujah, consecrate, it, it, it was an intentional movement to kind of get rid of words uh, that, that had anything to absolutely do with Christian tradition. And so and so and it was a come as you are movement like like we are now. That, that's where this whole movement comes from. Come as you are. I don't care if you're wearing a tie or not. You can wear your hat in church. Tattoos were OK. You know, the seeker friendly movement was, was a movement that happened. Um, it's still going. It's still relevant now. But the thing is. They've run away from the importance of some of these words that help us understand what God ultimately desires from us. I, I like the attractional piece of the seeker-friendly thing. It's saying, come as you are, tattoos, earrings, and all. But you've got to understand the language behind it. 
See, God speaks to us in a different language than he speaks to the world. And that's why the world don't understand God. See, that's why uh, when we speak in the Bible and it says uh, we speak in certain tongues that only God can hear. That's in the Bible, y'all. That's a blessing for us to receive those special tongues. And so, in other words, what I'm saying is certain words like consecrate it desires and requires us to go a little bit further in our understanding of what it means to consecrate. Uh, to use words like sovereign, uh, that's an important biblical word, if you will, uh, to understand just how powerful it is because in the world's eye there's no word as big as the word sovereign there's no word that has the same type of weight as the word sovereign and so and so it was words like that that the seeker friendly church pulled back from now it's good because uh, we have more people in church but a lot of people have left that movement because they were just tired of getting a show they were going to a church and you had all of, man you had more lights and more smoke than concerts I'm not knocking it. One day we might have that. I don't know. God ain't spoke to me in that way just yet. They, I mean, the music was loud. It was like incredible. And it's still like that in many cases. So you got people in the building, but are they leaving changed and transformed? You, you got them in the seats, but are they, are, they, are they changed and transformed by the word of God? You've got them there and they're shouting and they're screaming. They're even saying Jesus when they sing. But are they transformed by the word of God? What does their prayer life look like? And so I'm not knocking that. I have great friends and, and mentors that that, that that model is wonderful. And I know that people are being blessed by that. But there are many that are missing it. Why? Because God's name is not kept holy. The Jesus is my homeboy thing came out of the whole seeker-friendly church movement. Oh, Jesus can be your homeboy. He can be your friend. He says he's a friend. You know, it says in the Bible that, you know, I am a friend of God. He is my friend. That is true. But God can't be like your regular friend. Because if you treat God like your regular friend, y'all have a moment where y'all not talking. Here's my second point I want to get to you. And then we're going to be dismissed this morning. We have to surrender to who he is. He's our father. He is sovereign. He is holy. But my brothers and sisters, we also have to surrender to what he wants done. Ooh, that's hard. I'm the first to admit it. I'm the first to admit it. We have to surrender to what he wants done. Sometimes I just don't want to do it. Why? Because it's hard. Why? Because I might fail. Why? Because I am not qualified. But God says, I, say, I, I didn't ask for those things. I, I, I don't choose qualified people. I qualify the people that I choose. Don't you worry about that. You surrender to what I want you to do. We have to surrender to what God, what he wants done. Matthew 6, 10 says, may your kingdom come soon. May your, <laughs> this is the part I love, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not may my will line up with your will. No, may your will, whatever it is you want to be done here on earth, let it line up with what you want done for me in heaven. Here's what I want to let you know. God wants to reign in our hearts, if you're wondering what he wants done, he wants to reign in our hearts. That's your next note if you're taking notes. He wants to reign in our hearts. 
Some of y'all are like, man, you know, God is in my heart. I love God. I, I love God. God is my everything. But if you find yourself teetering between, do I go to church or do I go do something personal that benefits me? Uh, yeah. Is he reigning in your heart or is he just there? When, when you find yourself counting and doing your bills and you're like, oh, man, okay, I know I know the Bible say 10%, but this month, because I really, listen, 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 Kevin Hart's in town, and I don't know when he's going to be back again. I got free tickets, but I don't got the outfit. I think God will understand. Oh, I done got quiet. Who done went to see Kevin Hart up in this room? Lord, I like Kevin too, but I ain't going to put him before God. Amen. Let me let me wipe my brow. God wants to reign in your heart so that with every decision you make in life, it starts with him and ends with him. He wants to reign in your heart so that when every thought you have, it begins with him and ends with him. He wants to reign in your heart so that you don't have to worry about when he tells you to do something, you know that he's got your back already. When he says go, he's so far in your heart that when he says go, you're just like, all right, cool, I'm out. And you just go. When he says to do something radical, ridiculous, and you're like, I've never dreamt of that my own. This got to be God. But but wait a minute. Should I pack my bags first? Y'all remember the disciples? You're like, no, nah, you're going to pack, then you can't hang with me. There's a story in the New Testament where he talks about that. No, God's like, listen, I want your heart. So when I say go, you and I are so connected that you're like, I'm going to go because I know you got my back. Nothing's going to come against me. I'm going to have all that I need. I won't be hungry. I won't sleep outside. Wherever you say go, I'm going to go because I know it's greater in. Oh, my goodness. He wants to reign in your heart. He wants to be number one in your life. Watch this. This very thing, him reigning in your heart, formulates the manifestation of his will over our lives. Him reigning in our hearts literally formulates the manifestation of his will, not our will. It won't even be a struggle. You won't have to be like me and have an MMA bout with Jesus about what he wants me to do. Yeah, we didn't wrestle when he called me to pastor. We, we, we MMA'd. It was blood, sweat. I was in the cage. I couldn't get out. One of us had to win. Of course, he was the victor. Why did I fight him? Because he wasn't reigning in my heart. Oh, I love the Lord. He was in my heart. But the fact that I fought with him tells me that I was, he wasn't reigning in my heart. And if he was reigning, he was the supreme in my heart, then it would have been like, all right, God, you said it. Let's go. Let's do it. You've never lied before. And some of y'all have that very same conviction. God wants you to do something radical in your life for him right now. And you're just like, well, what about my finances? What about my family? What about this? What about that? God's like, have I not taken care of you already? You're here because you prayed for it about 20 years ago. Some of y'all prayed to be where you're at today and you're still having doubts. You prayed to be in the house you're in. You prayed to be in the job you're in. You prayed to be with the spouse you're with. But you're still having doubts about God doing miraculous and wonderful things in your life. Oh, I didn't mean for that to be a quiet moment. 
Here's the second thing, real quick. Surrender to what he wants done. He wants to reign in your heart. But also, you got to surrender to the fact that he has a distinct plan for us. My favorite, my favorite Bible scripture, and it's even on my Bible. It's literally on there. If you can see it in the light or whatever, is Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you. Man, I love that scripture. Man, I love that scripture. We were singing that song earlier, man. That scripture was resonating within me. He knows the plans I have. He has for my life. That means, gosh, wow, I don't even got to think about it. I just got to wake up, pray, and just go and see what he has for me and just flow with his movement. It's so much easier. Have any of you ever tried to swim, any swimmers in the building, ever try to swim against the current? And every time you try, no matter how great of a swimmer you are, you may be thinking you're swimming against the current, but then you stop for a minute and you realize the current brought you all the way to the other side because you were going against the current. And that's how life is for many of us. It's like we're trying to go against the plan that God has for us and do our own plan and do it our own way. And we're like swimming against that current and that current is moving us to a place that we thought we were trying not to be. Why? Because we're going against the flow. And here's, the, here's how life should work. We shouldn't go against the flow of God. Life is much easier when we're flowing with God. Have you ever been on one of those lazy pools where you're just on your tube and you just sit there? You don't have to pedal. You don't have to push. You just lay back and all of a sudden you're at the end of the ride. Why? Because you went with the flow of the current in the pool. Wow, that's good. And being in the will of God, we are with his flow. We're like on that inner tube and we're in this pool called life, but we're flowing with the flow of Jesus Christ who's given us the movement. All we got to do is just lay back and say, God, not my will, but your will be done. And before you know it, you've come to the end of your race on this thing called life. Come on, man, that's good. God has a distinct, I want you all to catch the distinct plan. It's not just a plan. I was, I, I was signing up to, to start a new uh, workout with, uh, with uh, my buddy uh, James, and I, and, I, and, I, and I love this guy. He's a good, good brother. I, I love working out with him. I love working out with Tia. They, they really get me in shape. I found out that I have a 18.9% body fat. That's kind of impressive for me. I'm just going to say, y'all ain't amening on that. That's good. Somebody, if y'all don't know, check yours and see if that's good or not. That's good. There was one time I probably would have been 30 or 40% body fat, but now I'm just 18.9%, I believe. But anyway, I was working out with James, and he says, uh, he's putting my plan together. He says, man, what is, what is your plan? I says, man, I just want to get solid. You know, I want to see some cuts, man, some lines, sort of like you, but I don't want to be as big, you know, but I want to be good, you know. And he's like, okay, you want to lose weight, gain weight? I was like, you know, I, I want to stay right where I'm at. He says, okay, let me help you with a distinct plan. Here's the deal. We're going to help you lose five more percent body fat. See, he, he was distinct. It was specific. So when I say distinct plan, God has a specific plan for you. He has a plan for you that only you can pull off. He's only giving you the tools to do that particular job. Only you can do it. He has people assigned to only you and only you are the one that can bring them into Christ. He has a plan distinct just for you. And, 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 and that's what we have to surrender to. It may not be glorious. It may not be pretty. 
It may be very messy. It's going to be challenging, but we have to surrender to his distinct plan for us. Our final point, then we got to run right here, right here. Surrender to what he wants done. What does he want to do? He wants to reign in our hearts. He wants us to follow his distinct plan for us. And here's what he wants us to do. God's purpose for mankind, he wants us to represent heaven here on earth. He wants us to represent heaven here on earth. Now, that doesn't mean he wants you to be perfect. He doesn't want us to be perfect. We don't have that capability. As long as we're on this side of heaven, we'll never be perfect. I just got to let you know that. As long as we're on this side of heaven, this place called God's green earth, we will not be perfect. But we can certainly represent what heaven looks like in our walk, in our talk, in our conversations, in our prayer life, and in, in, in how we introduce people to Christ. We can certainly represent heaven by our lifestyle. I often say this, and, one of, and I got this from a pastor. He says, Pastor, I'm going to tell you, man, the greatest sermon you'll preach is not words. It'll be your lifestyle. And I'll tell you all the same thing. The greatest evangelism you'll ever do will not be from your words. It'll be from your lifestyle. If people see your lifestyle, if people see you responding to Christ in a mighty way, who's not going to want some of that? Huh? Let, let me just be practical. You see something good happening for somebody and you're like, yo, how did you do that? Let me, let me get the steps. Number them one to five. I want to do exactly that because I see how it's done. Great things for you. They didn't have to say anything. You just saw their lifestyle and you wanted some of that. Now imagine you doing that with the body of Christ. Imagine if you're, you're living your life, you're living Christ-like and, and, and you're representing heaven. Nobody has to even ask you. You don't have to open up your mouth. People will just begin to want some of that. I've given y'all examples of how I've prayed for people just because I look like somebody that can pray. What, is, what does that look like? Honestly, I'm not, well, I don't wear, I don't even own a cross. I really don't. I don't own no necklace or nothing like that. I don't be walking around with the Bible in Publix. I mean, shoot, one time I prayed for somebody. I was funky. I just come from the gym sweating. So how in the world would I look like somebody that knows how to pray? She didn't see me. She saw God in me. Why? Because I was representing the kingdom of heaven. I was, matter of fact, I'll be honest with you. I wasn't even listening to like a gospel station. I was pumping like the new old school R&B station. Oh, no, the new old school hip hop station. I'm just going to be real specific. And I was jamming. So nothing about what I was doing at the moment said anything about Christ. But she saw Christ in me in that moment and asked me for prayer. Come on. Represent the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And that's what God wants us to do. When there is a need, we're the first responders. When there's, when there's somebody that is homeless or helpless or hopeless, we're the ones that provide hope, help, and all of the others. God wants us to be first responders to the needs of the people that he loves here on earth. Not just sitting back idly saying, oh, I hope something happened. Not just sitting back clicking like because somebody else did something good. No, dog, going to get off your butt and you do it too. Man, this ain't the type of thing I've... Uh. Listen, and I'm closing here. Y'all can come, worship team. I'm closing here. When we go to God in prayer, we need to first go with a posture of surrender. Far too often we come to prayer like this. What is this a posture of? Receiving, Right? But also, it's a posture of begging. Whenever I see this posture, I think about the man that was sitting outside of the temple. 
I guarantee you it's something like this. Give me, give me, give me. And more often than not, God wants us to come to him like this. God, I surrender. God, I surrender. In this moment, I surrender to the atmosphere in this place. In this moment, God, I surrender to your will, not my will. God, I surrender to all the plans that you have for me because I know they are good. They are not going to lead me down the wrong path. I surrender. And I want us to begin to do that. Begin to surrender over these next several weeks. We got just two more weeks of this sermon, and I pray that it really lifts you up. I want to recommend a book by uh, Paul Miller. It's called The Praying Life. It's a really, really good book. I'm reading it right now for the second time, and it's just revealing new things to me. I want you all to find some time to read that as we get ready to go into our 21 days of prayer and fasting beginning September 1st. That's in the middle of the week, y'all. We ain't going to wait till Sunday. I, I won't. We're going to get right into it. No need to be messing around. Let's just go ahead and knock it out. Plus, football season coming up, and the longer we wait, anyway. <laughs> for those who don't know, we're doing a blackout beginning September 1st all the way through the 21st when everybody won 100% participation you can eat whatever you want real talk no Daniel fast none of that eat whatever you want I don't care but I don't want you on social media or television amen thank you for joining us today our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus if you enjoyed listening to our podcast we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.